We are going to unpack Inman Connect and a media woman launched a crowdfunding effort to help people during the pandemic. We'll talk about it next on Tool Time. I'm Tom Tool, she's Sarah Timon, and we are back on Tool Time, and we've got some exciting non-pandemic related news, sort of. Um, but Inman Connect was this week, and if you don't know what Inman Connect is, it's run by Brad Inman. He runs the website Inman.com. It's like basically the real estate industry news site. So for all you real estate nerds out there, this is for you. So that includes me, Sarah to a certain extent as well, maybe not as nerdy as I am. And there was really what I saw, and when we went over kind of some of the, the the virtual sessions that were done, three kind of big storylines that came out of this. So I'm going to go down each one of them with you, Sarah, and we can just talk about what we think about them, what if it's realistic or not, if it's like some salesmanship. So the first one comes from CoStar CEO Andy Florence, and he came out and said that the residential agent is Zillow's competition. What do you think about this? It was kind of funny that he he said it that way because from everything that he's doing and even from everything that he said in the article, it kind of seems like he might be Zillow's yes, <laughs> yes. better competition. Um, the agents, to like some degree, play a part in this, but uh, primarily he's really positioning him, himself and his company there to be uh, the competition. Uh, well, he actually said like we are not Zillow's competitor a couple of times and kept repeating it during the uh, during the live stream and. His whole theory was that Zillow could eliminate 30% of realtors and another 60% might might go work for him. And he estimated 85% of consumers go through the the, the portal at some point. And um, my view of this is, is a lot different, where I am clear like you. He, they bought HomeSnap to get into the residential real estate space, sure. right? Like that's, that's happening. They spent $250 million to do it. There is no question they're going to empower agents because they like some of the agent-facing tools. And we talked about this. Like, it's a, it's a very handy app, especially when you're on the road with a buyer showing a house, right? Absolutely. So they've got something that has some value. I've, you know, agents use this all the time. We see it on, on the front lines. And his numbers are a little off. I mean, really, what the data I've seen is about 70% of consumers go to Zillow at some point. Mm -hmm. And... You know, he also hinted during the interview that they're like making a move in the residential space, but didn't really tell what. And they're a publicly traded company. Uh, you know, I, I look at Zillow's competition as squarely CoStar right now. And then there's kind of like everybody else. Like they've already snuffed out Realtor. If you've dealt with Zillow and Realtor as an agent, like it's night and day. You can't even get a call back from Realtor.com. Zillow, when you're trying to do something with them, very responsive. Mm -hmm. but, and Zillow also has partnerships with agents, right? Exactly. They work with agent advertising. I know a lot of agents, including us, have done really well working with Zillow in various ways. So I can't agree with their competition. It might be a threat to agents and maybe down the line. To me, the competition is squarely on CoStar, and he's doing what a good CEO should do, which is go out and sell and position the company effectively for shareholders. And just the CEO job right now is to get out in the media and talk. So I think yeah. he's doing his job right now more than anything else with that comment. And I mean, and I think that the fact that he had to state quite a few times within the article, like, no, we're not the guy is like from everything that he was saying, it sounded like he is the competition and he kept trying to be like, but we're not. <laughs> so yeah, you are. <laughs> it was kind of like when people talk to him and they say, I got to be honest with you. And then they tell you something and you're like, are you really being honest right now? Like, is yeah. that really happening? Like, so I, 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 you know, I'm not, and, and I, I totally agree with you. I mean, they're, you know, they've got their own thing they're doing. They already own apartments.com. They've made acquisitions. They're getting into the space and that's the one company I'm clear can compete with Zillow better than anybody else has. And 
really it's kind of like the tech guys and then all the brokerages over on the other side. And that to me is, is the big war going on. So I do not agree with this. Sounds like we're on the same page. Correct. All right. Number two. This comes from Courtney Poulos with um, Acme Realty in California. And she came out and criticized the NAR clear cooperation policy and basically said to the MLSs, like, and because there's not one MLS, just to give people some perspective, they're all kind of regional, um, help us compete against Zillow or lose. That's what she said. Um, what do you think about this? Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think they're going to do it? I mean, that seems like a big threat if you don't have something else to really walk into. Like, I don't know that people would really be, because the way she was wording it, like, we're going to walk away from the MLS and not do it. Like, I don't know that anybody's really prepared to go ahead and and do that. Um, and Zillow is their own brokerage. So if they have certain listings that they're not, you know, putting onto the MLS, there's, there's nothing that the MLS can really do to enforce that. Um, so... Yes, it's frustrating, but I don't know where you're really going to go with that. I don't think that you can like back that up with anything. Well, I can tell Courtney this is not going to happen. <laughs> it would be my my advice, right? And I get the clear cooperation policy. If you guys don't know what that is, it means we have one business day to get our listings in the MLS once we start marketing them. Uh, and, and every MLS has kind of different statuses. We have coming soon here with Bright, which is like our Northern Virginia, New Jersey, Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania MLS, but not all of it. Um, I agree with her on that. I, I don't. I don't like that policy. At the same time, everyone had a chance to talk to NAR about this and voice their opinion. So if you didn't do that, that's shame on you. Mm -hmm. And number two, once the policy's out there, there's two kinds of people in this world. You can bitch and complain about everything, or you can embrace it and do something about it. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in the latter. So it's great to complain about a policy. And my view is, instead of getting out here and complaining, complaining, complaining. What do you, how are you going to pivot your business? Like, this right. is the same question everyone needs to be asking. And with this Zillow competition, I mean, Zillow is like a very controversial uh, topic right now in real estate. There's people mm -hmm. like, they're either okay with Zillow or they think they're the devil. Like, there, right. there's no in between. Like, there's not people that kind of deal with it and, and, and whatever else. And my view of, of Zillow is the same where they're going to do what they're going to do. Right. Like, and you not liking it isn't going to change it. So, like, if you want it to be able to positively affect your business, you have to be able to use those tools and work with it. Like if there's something that you can do to change it, certainly, I guess, try. But just complaining about it isn't going to make this go any smoother for you and it's not going to help your business. Well, and, and you bring up a really good point because a lot of agents, my view is they got really lazy and relied exclusively on Zillow to run their business. Mm -hmm. And I got a newsflash for everybody. About 10 years ago, Zillow didn't exist, right? <laughs> People sold real estate for decades Hundreds of years without Zillow. So it's hard to imagine a time, but yeah, it I, did it did happen. It's like before people had cell phones, right? I think I mean it would be that kind of thing. So what I know is that there are ways to do business without having to rely on Zillow. And yeah, Zillow's a threat. There's gonna be more threats, there's gonna be less. It's no different than like discount brokerages or people that uh, you know, new companies that come into marketplaces. Like, I mean, that's happened over time, over and over again. So, you know, it's not gonna happen, number one and two. Instead of complaining about it, figure out how you can pivot your business. There's ways to outmaneuver these people on the local level. That's where real estate really matters. I mean, there's even a big difference between the counties that we work in, like mm -hmm. Chester County, Delaware County, Philadelphia, Montgomery County, the main line, all very different. And you've got to know those markets. And that's where I'm clear agents can take market share and compete. But they got to be strategic about it. Come up with a business plan. Look at the stuff that's worked for years mm -hmm. and just do that and get on the phone and make some phone calls. I mean, I think right. it's that easy. So... I hear her point about the cooperation policy, but 
bitching and complaining, it's not going to really get you anywhere. Do it. I mean, I think that you almost need to take that, um, you know, Zillow does churn up a lot of interest within people because they can just be looking on their phones and they can be, it's very convenient for them. Use that piece to your advantage and be like, great, I'm glad that you saw all these things on Zillow. Now let's talk about how to move forward. And um, yeah, I mean, use it to your advantage rather than fight it. Every agent watching needs to write that down. That was like perfectly delivered. That's exactly what you want to say. And also it's about setting the right expectation with your clients, right? So you've got to tell them, hey, you see a listing on Zillow? Call me. Right. Like you have to have that conversation with people because if you don't, they're going to hit the button. They're going to get someone calling them and you might lose a client. So it's about knowing the market and then instructing your clients appropriately. I love that, Sarah. You made me smile on many levels there as a salesperson, as a teammate. So way to kick ass. So it sounds like we're in agreement. Like Courtney's out of luck here would be my, my advice, right? Yeah. Okay. Third one. This was actually my favorite of the three. Um, so Josh Team of Keller Williams and Glenn Kelman of Redfin. So these are the guys right at the top. Um, they uh, had a kind of a debate style Zoom session because that's what we do in 2021. And the question was, is it better to pay agents a salary, thus ensuring everyone at the company makes a decent wage, but also limiting top earners bring home or take home income? Or is the commission model better because there's theoretically no cap on earnings, even if low performers don't make as much. So obviously Redfin is the salary-based company. Keller Williams is not. They are the more traditional commission-based. It was a salary versus commission real estate agent debate. What do you think about this? There was a lot of stuff to unpack on this one. Yeah, so both sides, I think, kind of came up with different numbers and statistics for to kind of position themselves to look a little bit better, um, which, you know, is always the case. So, um, so I'll let you go through those those numbers then. Um, but it's you know it's it's an interesting debate. I think that if you are not somebody that's producing, certainly having a salary would be beneficial to you. Um, now, if you're the the client coming in looking for help from your agent, and the reason your agent is there is because they're not producing. That's telling you something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, on the commission side, like it's it goes both ways. It's not like because there's no cap, that means everybody's making an unlimited amount of money. You have to be able to do your job and you have to be successful and you have to really help your clients and have your clients refer you and have a good reputation out there um, in order to be able to, to bring home that, that, uh, that high that high dollar amount. Um, and with a commission only thing, there are certainly times where you work your butt off and you do everything you can for your clients. The deals fall through and you don't get paid anything, pay anything at the end yeah. of the day, and that sucks, whatever. Then you like move on and you keep going because every once in a while you get another deal there where you know, maybe everything came together very seamlessly and very quickly and you didn't have to put in as many hours in order to get that check. So. It's commission's commission. You know, you, that's part of the game. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. And, and you've been in many commission mm -hmm. lines of work. And you know, when you look at what they're, they're saying here, and I, I'm going to give the stats because I found this really interesting. So um, Glenn, uh, Glenn Kelman said that the typical agent and his company makes $100,000 after a year of tenure. And some eventually make five hundred. You got to throw that last number out. That's the top people, right? So right. 100000 after the first year. What I know about the Redfin agents is... Um, and, and what he said was the typical agent at Redfin, I think, is earning more on average than just about any other brokerage. Um, those agents 
they are order takers, right? They're like, hey, I want to go see 15 properties on Saturday. They say great, and they show 15 homes. Now, what I know is that's probably not a good idea for a buyer because you're not going to remember everything, and it's a, it's a very, very different way to approach it. And so, you know, I mean, we had one of our agents on our team here at, at a meeting the other day. They were working with a Redfin type of company, and every time that client called the agent, they got charged. Yeah, that was that was me. Oh, that was, was you. I didn't know yeah. if it was you or Stacy. Okay. Yeah, um, they had we had a question about something. We had gone under contract, and the person that I was dealing with, um, it was basically at that point a for sale by owner because yep. she wasn't really utilizing the person that was listed on the MLS as the listing agent and. Her exact words were, all right, I'm going to have to call it. I guess I'll try and call in. It might be a while till they get back to me. And I'm going to have to pay for this question. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and after they did all the work and got the home sold, and really, you're the one that did most of the work. And that, that's a debate for another time. But the, the, the point is that when you hire someone to get involved in these high-stakes transactions, it's a lot of money we're talking about here. I mean, these are people's biggest purchases of their lives. You know, salary can be helpful in certain aspects, but if someone doesn't know what they're doing or they have no incentive, like they don't, I'll show 15 homes, I'm getting paid no matter what, versus mm -hmm. the objective of the buyer is, I need to go find a place to live. Right. I'm trying to find a home. So in this business, my view is you either sell the home or you don't. You either find the buyer home or you don't. There is no in between. And what happens if you don't sell it? Yeah, it, it, it sucks. I mean, yeah. that's part of a, a commission-based job. I also know that the higher risk you take, the higher reward there is in, in any sort of business. And you know what I, what I found interesting is you know the, the Redfin's talking about their average agent makes about $100,000 a year. The average realtor, according to NAR, made $49,700 last year. That's NAR numbers. Now, I don't know if these people are realtors. That's another thing. Um, Redfin's also saying they have a 13% higher retention rate. And Keller Williams said that their agent's earnings jumped between 12 and 14% last year. So I've got a couple comments on all these stats, and you hit it on the head. You can make stats say whatever you want. Yeah. The market was up 7 to 11% last year. Wow, those numbers are really similar to what <laughs> Keller Williams did. So that's, that's a market function in a lot of ways. Um, the retention rate, of course, people on a salary job are going to stay longer. Right. And there's also a lot of movement in the, in, the, in the real estate space. I mean, I think this year more than ever, we've seen people jump from company to company to company looking mm -hmm. for a magic bullet. So I, I believe that because the Redfin agent is not the same as your typical independent contractor or a team member that's looking for where can I get the best systems? Where can I have the most support? Where can I, you know, I, I can I can grow my business? And that's not not at Redfin. I mean, you're that, that's all. You show up, you get paid per showing. I mean, this is right from the horse's mouth, not what they said. So, this debate, you could go back and forth all day. Mm -hmm. My view is this: if I'm the consumer, I want the person with skin in the game mm -hmm. working to help me find a home. And that's ultimately going to care, yeah, that you get across the finish line. Like for. For the salary-based ones, I mean, you could just be like, I'm only going to do showings and I might never even really write an offer. <laughs> like, yeah. You could, you know, it's, um, you want the person that's going to, that cares that you, that you cross the line. Um, and I think while you hope that they just on their own care because they care about you, the commission's what's really going to back that up um, and, and show that. So, yeah. The structure of the relationship demonstrates the care, right? Yes. Like the good contracts make good neighbors. So, you could go back and forth all day on this. I mean, you know, you got Keller Williams, you got, you know, of course they're going to say these certain things. Uh, you know, what, what I found is that while they may have a higher retention rate, what I know is that I like Redfin agents because they often screw things up with their clients and then they come to people like us. So you can say whatever you want about that, but there is no question that, that they're looking to eliminate buyer's agents almost and pay them a lot differently than what 
the Keller Williams model is or the Remax model or the Realogy model or the Berkshire Hathaway or whatever else. So, I mean, this goes for any of the traditional brokerages. So this debate's going to keep going on because of the internet and the portals that are out there. It's not going to go away. And the people that, you know, know, Redfin's going to attract a certain kind of client, right? Like it's going to be a little different of people that maybe think they know what they're doing or they actually do know what they're doing. Sure. Because there's a little bit of a difference, right? And, you know, that's going to, there's always going to be a market for that, but you look at their market share, they're just just not selling as much real estate. It's that simple. So, I think that these guys could go on forever. I love this debate because I think there's a way to kind of blend the two and use the tech, but also have someone with an incentive. And that's the people that are going to win in my mind. Absolutely. All right. Three for three on agreement here, Sarah. This is uh, We're going to have to get some more controversial stuff. <laughs> last last story here, and this is really cool. Another Philly feel-good story. So we want to give some credit to Brittany Shar of Media. We sell a lot of homes in media. We know media well, so very cool. Um, she was in the restaurant industry for 10 years. And then she was hearing stories of struggles from the pandemic, and she became a, she actually became a life coach. And what she's done, um, she started a Facebook post, and she ended up raising um, in a little over a month about twenty two thousand dollars to help restaurants in media in the month of December when everyone got shut down. Like you couldn't do indoor dining was finito then; you, you couldn't do it, and it was cold this this December. Uh, that to me. And, and uh, is that this is what you need to be doing in your local communities. Doesn't matter how much help you're giving, that helps some people. And you know, media is a, kind of a small town. So, what do you think about all this? I mean, I thought this was a really cool story. Yeah, that was really good initiative on on her part to, you know, she had been in the industry before, so she you know felt for them in a way that if you had never been in that industry, maybe you can you can hear about what's going on and you can hear the struggle, but maybe you don't feel it in exactly the same way. Um, and she just kind of took it upon herself to be like, what can I do? How can I help? And it's it's great having community members that that do that and that want to look out and, and support uh, their neighbors, their friends and the businesses that they care about. Well, and this is, this is what a community is all about. Because, I mean, if anyone has gotten – the hardest hit businesses are, are clearly, like, restaurants. And then I would say, like, gyms and then, like, salons. Like, those are, like, kind of the three that have, have, been, have been really tough. And, like, she was hand-delivering cash donations all over town. Like, that is, like, a modern-day Santa Claus. And yeah. only it's just with stacks of cash instead of toys for kids, which I love. <laughs> um, so, Brittany, thank you for what you did. I think that this isn't going to be, like, a big, long debate here. I mean, I don't know what else we can say. But, I mean – you know, th- th- that's an industry that's hurting. So here's what you can do. You order some takeout from your favorite local restaurant. You heard this before. If you're comfortable going out to dinner, go out to dinner. They have some places that are outside. If you want to bundle up, Sarah got a Canada Goose jacket. You'd have to be good to yes. go for uh, Christmas and be able to be warm out there. I'm still excited about that coat. It's good. I, they're nice coats from what I've heard. <laughs> uh, the whole point is make sure you go out and support these people because there's a lot of places you have like memories at, like fun times, like you remember certain things. And restaurants need our support more than ever. So I don't know what else there's to say. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. We've talked about restaurants. I, I love what she did here. Very cool thing. So Brittany Shar, thank you. Very cool. Way to go. <laughs> Catch you guys next week. Thanks for watching. Bye.